Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. this shaky, shifting balance that I've found to be present in every woman's life that I know, and certainly including my own. And it's the balance of the two truths that we are both masterpieces, crowns of creation, life-giving daughters of a king. Amazing, right? And yet, filthy, rag-waving sinners made of nothing but dust who will never, ever be worthy of a kingdom. Ouch, right? I'd like to share a story that happened recently that affected me regarding this balance. My friend and I recently returned from a Christian conference and we planned this thing out for a year. We made our travel plans, we arranged our babysitters, we booked hotel rooms, we loaded our trunks up with girly supplies for our weekend away, eager to learn from inspiring mentors and each other. And then we drove several hours away, traversed the unfamiliar city and eventually settled down in our arena seats that night. We got out our journals, ready to take copious notes of our inspiration. And there I heard that I was beautiful and cherished and chosen. And I circled around the conference and and I sang their songs, hoping that something of their sweetness would rub off on me. But it wasn't working. And I couldn't place why. 48 hours later, I hadn't written down one word. The entire weekend, not one thing jumped out at me. I didn't cry. I didn't laugh especially hard, and I might as well have been anywhere still clinging to my average day. Altogether, I left feeling like the conference was fine. It was nothing less and nothing more than fine. The conference was fine. But as my friend and I were driving home, I started to feel angry that so much energy had been invested into fine. When I got home, another friend and I, we were, we were dissecting the shared experience and, and she eventually wound her way around to this idea and she said it best when she said, you know what, I think it was a nice conference. And I think that we are nice people. And if the world were designing a conference and if worldly people were attending it, then everything was exactly as it should have been. But I'm not so sure about the world anymore. And I squinted at her and she blinked at me and I prodded a little bit. I don't know, she said. The conference was cozy and I felt good. The gospel was pleasing and the crowd was satisfied. And I feel like I'm leaving an enjoyable vacation. But leaving an enjoyable vacation, metaphorically well-rested and well-fed and tanned, it wasn't exactly what we were after that weekend. In our time together, it felt clean, but we weren't sure if clean was our calling anymore. We were in the market for truth, for transformation. What was missing? What was left out? What was it that we were yearning for? Was it something more gritty? Something more complicated? Something more thorough? Something more true? What we eventually came to was that it was because we only got half of the story. Cherished, beautiful, chosen. Yes, those things were true. That is a significant part of my identity. But the whole truth? The whole truth is that I'm not that extraordinary. And believe it or not, the Lord did not leave the glories of heaven because I am irresistibly charming. He left perfection because I'm sinful. And because I desperately needed him to pay my sin debt and my sins, they're not even that clever or unique. Fear, insecurity, idols. I lean more towards independence than dependence. I lean more towards rebellion than holiness. And this sin, it's going to take far more than affirmations to get to the bottom of. What I need What we need is a lasting solution to our sin problem. And that kind of transformation is going to take the full truth. Not just a litany of affirmations that make me feel great about myself. 
So this transformation, it takes the full truth. Why did the conference skip the other side if that's true? Was it because it was gritty? Was it because it was complicated? Was it because as women, we already know that there's another side to being cherished and beautiful and reminding us of that just feels a little cruel? Don't we already feel inadequate, our wifing, our housekeeping, our waistlines, our decorating, our disciplining, Lord, we're useless, we know. Here's why I bring it all up. When we're talking about identity, not talking about this other half, it doesn't change it because nothing can change until it becomes what it is. And our freedom lies quite simply in being exactly who we are. And it's counterproductive to skirt the gory details because there is no greater freedom than resting like a child under the tender gaze of a father who loves us just as we are, dust and divine. Under God's gaze, we are wholly loved and we are completely forgiven. And then when we know that, we can accept our own deficiencies knowing that they do not make us unlovable. And maybe then when that happens, then maybe we can get rid of the pesky thought that tells us that we ought to be somebody different. If we can lie there and calmly accept the paradox that we are both sinner and saint, that that makes up our full identity, if we can do that, then all bets are off. We can be so supremely daring in our desire for holiness, knowing that we are powerful daughters of a king and that we desperately need the Lord. God wants our transformation and he is able to grant it. But the key is to see ourselves with God's eyes, nothing more and nothing less than how he sees us, the full truth. And the full truth is that yes, we are sinful, but we're not crushed by it. God knows our weaknesses, but he's not scandalized by them. He doesn't condemn us. He knows what we are made of. He remembers that we are dust. And he is inviting us into holiness because we are chosen and gifted and cherished. And he longs for our freedom and both. My friend and I turned all of this around together once we were home and we shouted, we can handle it. We can handle hearing both. Complicated, gritty, crazy, rotten sinner, cherished daughter, and both. Yes, lay it on me. We can handle it. And do you want to know why we can handle it? Because Christianity is always doing things inside out and upside down. Our faith hinges on ludicrous. We hang our faith on a crucified Messiah sent to save people who saw him as a contradiction in terms. Because if Jesus was Lord, then he couldn't be crucified. And if Jesus was crucified, then he couldn't be Lord. Because that would be ludicrous. How could he ever be both king yet killed like a common criminal? How could he ever save the whole world while hanging on a cross? How could we ever be both sinner and saint? God, that's how. Ladies, it's not about us. We don't have near enough. And that's just the sad truth. But... If we can shift our focus off of ourselves for one hot second, off of our failures, off of our divinity, and if we can look at the great, great need before us, then we can simply place what we have into the hands of the Lord, and then we watch miracles happen. We are both, and it's okay, and nothing can change until it becomes what it is. So we look at our nothingness, and we accept it. We shrug our shoulders at it, and we release it to the Lord but we have to keep our levels, our identities balanced with the full truth. From the book of 2 Kings, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. This is my friend, Rachel. We've been friends for five years. Rachel follows the Holy Spirit with some serious gusto, is always up for an impromptu play date, and is absolutely impossible to be mad at. She and I, we walk together. It's what we do. Hey, Rachel. Hi. So you are one of my very favorite friends, and I'm so excited to get to share you with everybody. Um... So the way that Rachel and I met is kind of funny. 
Um, you worked with my husband. Mm-hmm. I work with lots of people's husbands, which can get a little um, interesting sometimes. <laughs> Generally, they know a little bit about me before I know and meet, meet them personally and vice versa. Yes. So. No, I knew not a thing except that my husband adored you. And so he would come home most days from work telling me about this lovely girl named Rachel and how funny she was and how smart she was and how she was so much like me and I was just going to love her. I was just going to love her. And I'm like, I'm sure that I will. <laughs> sounds great. She sounds great. So I um, love this story and I love this is how our friendship started. It was just so us. Yes. It's such a funny place. Mm-hmm. So I, we eventually have you guys over for dinner because I, he was so insistent that I was just going to love you so much, and um, he couldn't have been more right. So sweet. It was probably 30 seconds into our dinner, and I was like, oh, she's my friend, not yours. <laughs> I love this girl. Um, so our friendship didn't necessarily get off to a fast start. I mean, I knew that I loved you. I right. knew that we had a lot in common mm-hmm. and I knew that if given opportunities we could sit and talk forever, but that's not exactly how it happened. Yeah, our circles didn't, you know, like the circles that we moved in didn't have a lot of overlap right. for a while. Yeah. Right. I think it was actually I was planning a retreat. I was planning dust yes. and I was like I just need you a part of it. Yes, that was really cool. That yeah. was really neat to kind of get to see you in that element. We share a love of uh, college women mm-hmm. and even though I didn't know any of those college women, it was just really cool to see um to get to kind of serve some people that I didn't know and also get to um know you kind of in your in your space. Yes. And then our relationship thickened in this very meaty, intense, spiritual way. Totally. Um, I'm not even sure about, I guess it was like three years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Lord kind of interrupted my life in all the best ways, turned it upside down. And I started having these um, just like encounters with the Lord. Um, he'd asked me to do something and I would obey and then just, you know, an amazing things would happen. And um, anyway, and it was, it was very um, just disorienting almost. Mm. I kind of, um, I always talk about it um, when you have breakthrough like that, it starts to sort of like first fruits and you're just like, I'm never going to sleep again. I'm never going to eat again. I'm never going to be able to go to the grocery store without like being interrupted to do something for the Lord, which is an awesome place to be. But it was a little intense. Yeah. And um, somewhere in that journey, I just really felt the Lord say like, you have to share this with Allison. And I was like, okay. And you were kind of going through Uh some stuff too. You guys had just moved and Uh kind of upset your life. Yes. And so, um, and the Lord was just like, uh, really placed this burden. Like, I'm going to go talk to you. And so I called you and I was like, I've got some things that I need to tell you. It was almost like I had a big secret and I needed to tell someone and you were just like, the obvious choice for that. I love it so and much. So, we were literally on that couch for eight hours straight. That was I think Seth would kind of peek his head in mm-hmm. and like pivot turn. Yes. And <laughs> he was like, okay. I don't know what's going on, but yes, but I'm not going to get in the way. That's yeah. right. I love it. Um, so Rachel, my favorite thing about you, I just, I love that you let me um, call you a weirdo because <laughs> I think you're just this spiritual weirdo and I couldn't love it anymore. You're so easily led around by the wrist, by the Holy Spirit and it's just this very beautiful thing. I, when I when I talk about you, I tell people, you know, she's my friend that will show up at my door, knock on it, and say, the Holy Spirit told me to come over here. Do you know why? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no, but come on in. I'm sure we'll figure it out. And we Together. do. And yes. we always do. Yes. I love it so much. Um, but, you know, you following the Spirit so closely that way. You're so light on your feet as he leads you. It leads to a purity. There's a purity about you and the way that you relate to people. And even when, this makes me laugh, but like even if you and I, you know, will miscommunicate in one way or another, you're absolutely impossible to stay mad at. <laughs> I'm really glad about that. <laughs> There's just such a purity. I just love you so much. And the other thing is that you are just absolutely one of my favorite prophets. You, um, you know, I just, I love the openness that you have. And so, you know, I'm at home dreaming about, oh, I don't know 
cupcakes or being naked on a stage in front of people. <laughs> and you're having these dreams, not even about yourself, but about your friends, like riding bareback on a headless horse. And then you draw all this spiritual meaning out of it and, and share it with, you know, with them. And so I just, um, I don't know, I guess in short, I'm totally fascinated by you. Uh, you're, that, is, that is one of the things I love about you, Allison, is that you have said some of the nicest things hmm. um, and given me some of the biggest spiritual compliments I think I've ever mm. had. Um, That's you, so easy. <laughs> you love your friends. You love them deeply. You love them fiercely. Um, you are so for me, mm-hmm. and um, it makes it super easy to be for you right back. Mm. So thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so um, but I will say this: this is another one of my very favorite things about <laughs> you, um, and it kind of leads into our topic today. Um, you are such an invested mom. And you are so wholly devoted to your kids and their issues and their interests. And yet, when we're together, it's often not necessarily what we talk about. And I don't mean that to sound the wrong way, but um, I love my kids too. And I'm very passionate about them. But frankly, when I, I want to talk about something different. Sure. <laughs> and um, and I know, I realize how that sounds. And, and I, I do, I feel a little tinge of guilt about that. But you are so much more than your motherhood. You do that so well. Um, embracing the many aspects of your whole person, and um, and yet you're your motherhood in spades. So, um, you know, you and I, we can even have these major life changes going on regarding our families and growing them. And unless there's drama surrounding it, or we really need prayer around that, there are so many other things that come up when we talk. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see that? Explain that. So it's interesting that you put that in this context. I don't know if you would have, if you would have, um, if you would have asked me a, a question about uh, my identity and how it came in as far as motherhood, I don't know that I necessarily would have recognized this. So thank you for even asking me the question because mm. I think it's really shown me some things that um, the Lord has done. And so just to kind of give him some thanks and praise, um, you know, and, I, and, and so it does, it comes down to um, who we are, who we are on this earth, what our job is. Um, mm-hmm. And all of that is sits on a foundation of mm-hmm. who Christ is for us. Um, I have had a like all of us. I have had a journey through um, through my identity. Um, I went through from times of um, putting my identity in all the wrong things, including motherhood at times. Sure. And what happens when I when I can, when I go to those places is I I stop being enough. Mm. And that is because I am putting my identity in all of the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And what the Lord has so graciously showed me is that when I put my identity in Him Mm -hmm. and truly seek Him, Mm -hmm. that it is true. Like, seek Him first and everything else will be added. And it just kind of lightens the load in every every other direction. I can I can see that too, and I, I think about that with relationships too. It's if I am being completely fulfilled by the Lord for my wants and needs and being perfectly loved, it really frees the people up around me to fill the to fill those gaps. Totally, and so I can more easily allow people to be exactly who He made them to be. So true, you know. And Absolutely. there's there's just a greater freedom in our relationships. You're not going to love me perfectly, <laughs> and that's okay. Right. I don't need you to because I have it here. So I love thinking about that in these, like, in this form of identity. So true. Um, So, you know, you are a pharmacist. I am, yes. And so you do have your feet, well, you have your feet in a million um, different puddles, Mm -hmm. or your toe in a different, different things, many different things, but, um, but you do have a job, you know, that's one of them too. And um, I wonder if that has led... um, you know, to you kind of being able to develop another side of your professional brain or? Sure. It's interesting. So um, growing up, um, I put my identity in a lot of my performance. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Lord very mercifully um, brought all of that down in college. And, um, you know, you just get into this environment where, you know, there's just somebody better. And everything, right? Always, you know, yes. like I mean, I'm sure there was lots of people better. I was just maybe a little bit too immature to realize it. Um, but in college, the maturity was right there to see that. Uh-huh. Um, and then the Lord started building, building back up a new, a new identity, one that um, whose foundations were strong and steady. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and about that time, I went to pharmacy school and um, was really successful and um, got the right um, got the right grades, got the right job, got the right residency, and all these things like that. And um, really, probably started putting my identity right back in there. I was mm-hmm. married at the time, and mm-hmm. it was kind of easier to, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of other um, stresses or distractions to um, pour into. Um, and then motherhood. I love that we're talking about this in the context of motherhood because um, there's nothing like that that will just kind of turn all of that on its head and we'll have to say, like, okay, Lord, like, where are you calling me now? Um, and so I've I've been kind of all over the spectrum. I've been a full-time working mom. I've been a part-time working mom. I've, you know, certainly had breaks from maternity leave and, you know, always asking that question, Lord, where are you calling me to? Mm-hmm. Um, it is so fun you know, where I'm at now. So I work, I I work part-time right now. And, um, I've often asked the Lord, like, wow, like you're doing so much, you know, uh, spiritually and, um, you know, through my children, my friends, you know, um, you know, do you still have me here? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes, Mm -hmm. that he does have me there. And it's really cool. One of my favorite things is just really being able to see him work in the marketplace, Hmm. Um, even though, you know, it's the healthcare industry. But, you know, watching him work and um, the people that he's after there, Mm -hmm. it's just been a gift. It's been a gift to kind of get away um, from, you know, sort of my day-to-day routine and just kind of be thrust into um, this melting pot of all, I mean, it could be a patient, it could be um, a um, another a co-worker, it could be just literally anybody, and the Lord has just really provided an outlet to see him work, and it's such a privilege. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's really, I, working moms amaze me, amaze me, because I, for me, you know, I could be up all night with the baby and covered in breast milk, and I would at least know that I can stay in this nightgown if I want to. <laughs> well, <laughs> or, or at least trade it for another <laughs> nightgown that's not covered in breast milk. <laughs> right? But, you know, I would know, like, I, I cannot imagine having to get up and then use my brain and look nice and and be professional. Working moms amaze me. So I think stay-at-home moms are amazing, you know, and I think that is sometimes can be harder. I get to wear scrubs to work, so it's kind of like the job <laughs> And, um, but really just the complete self-sacrificing mm. that has to go. I mean, it is just not about you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, and it's so important to kind of make space. It, it would be, well, I don't mean that it would be tempting to make it mm-hmm. never about you. I think we've got to make, you know, some space for some self-care. Um, so anyway, you know, we just, we have mutual appreciation for one another. I love I that. Say. Well, and I think that you know, in a lot of these conversations, it comes down to which is harder, which is harder when really it's such an individual thing. What's harder for you, (laughs) you know, because this is an apple and an orange we're talking about. They're just hard in different ways. And the way that working would be hard for me, I think would do me in. (laughs) 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 Okay. So Rachel, what is it? What's the problem? What keeps us from knowing exactly who we are? Well, well, and you know, that's you're exactly right. The fundamental problem is that when we have a different idea of who we are um, than God does, and then mm-hmm. who God, who God, what God thinks about us, how God sees us, um, when those two things are in conflict, is generally um, when the wheels start coming off. Mm-hmm. And you know, He's yeah. so merciful; He is not going to settle for you putting your hope your uh, affections, and or your identity in anything but him. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you for saying that that is a merciful aspect of mm-hmm. his character. Yes. I love that. That's a little frame shifter for me sure. because I think that the world, and myself included in the world, can tend to see that as punishment. Mm. Like, no, get in line, no, mm. get in line, no, get in line. Man, this is one of my favorite subjects and maybe something for a, for a, different, for a different time, but... Our pain is the process, and God is so lovingly guides us through the hard things, no matter what they are, um, to teach us more about ourselves, to teach Mm -hmm. us more about Him, um, to give provision, not just for that season, but for the next one, for the next Mm -hmm. place He has for us to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and that's been kind of a fundamental shift for me, um, just with some various things in our in our lives that we um, that we that God has brought to us. Have they been 
painful? Yes. Have they been so purposeful? Oh, yes. Praise you, Jesus. Yeah. 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 Okay, so, but you were saying that, you know, he's merciful and he won't accept you. He won't accept you identifying yourself wrongly. No, absolutely not. Um, I think there is, at least it's been so in my uh, journey, there is breakthrough and then there is process. So um, there are these breakthrough moments when you hear the Lord tell you who you are. And maybe that looks like a word or maybe that's a scripture that just resonates with you that he just keeps bringing up to you over and over. Like, this is who I say you are. Mm -hmm. And it's more specific than a child of God. Um, Although that, thank you, Jesus, that we are. Thank you, Lord, that we're saved. But there's more. You have purpose on this earth to increase his territory, um, to bring heaven to earth. And it's generally in that, in that place that um, we get to know a little bit more more about ourselves and in turn what we're here for. That's right. That leads right into our gifts. Totally. I mean, you start to see like, oh, you know, when I was in middle school and we were playing volleyball and when things got tough, everyone looked to me and said, you know, you get the next ball, ball. Like, you know, that was the Lord's beginning of saying, maybe Rachel, like maybe I have uh, for you to be a leader one day. And so Mm. when the, when the wheels fall off, you know, like, don't forget, like I've done this and this and, and, you know, he'll, he'll like bring not only new things, but remind you of these, of these parts about that he created, like, you know, before the foundations of the earth. Mm -hmm. So he had purpose in all these things. You can kind of look back and say, yeah, that is who I am because mm. there was this situation in my life and this situation yes. in my life and this situation in my life. Um, How yeah. beautiful to go back and really pull out those those meaningful moments. But isn't it also when you felt filled up? Mm-hmm. You know, there's something that you appreciate about being called that. Like it really, it really mattered to me when my volleyball team looked to me. Yes. And in that way, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we can we we can convince ourselves that service means sacrifice when <laughs> really he tells us his burden is light. Right. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love what it. What he has gifted you to do and yes. the mission that he calls you to do, you're gonna love it. Yes. This is life in abundance we're talking about. Yes. I get <laughs> I have a little smile when people say oh you're doing what whatever I, I could never do that I would hate that and it's just like well I love it and it's that's not because for you. I was created for it you that's know right. and it's just another confirming thing because things get hard that's where the process comes in you have this breakthrough like you know this is God says I am and then you know the enemy in the world wants to come in and say no you're not that's ridiculous and it generally is it generally is ridiculous mm-hmm. it is ridiculous that he would call us these things, Mm -hmm. you know, that he would call us, you know, um, you know, servant or leader or bride or what fill in the blank, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, but not to him. Mm -hmm. He's the God that calls things, um, that he is the God that calls things that are not as if they were. That's mm. in Romans. It's one of my favorite all time mm. Bible verses. And, cool. uh, and that, that is him. He is not calling out our, our inadequacies and our flaws. He's calling us up and higher. Mm. I love it so much. Um, you know, I think that once you embrace your own giftings and your own calling and your own identity, it allows you again to kind of release people to theirs. You know, when you're really in your lane and, and you know, hitting the pavement, mm-hmm. um, it allows you permission to look at another lane and go, that's her lane. Yes. And that's just not my lane. Um, and so in that way, I mean, when we look around at creation and we're told these things about God's character, mm. diversity is such a big part of it, right? Totally. <laughs> you totally. know, it's like I get to allow, you know, there's not one kind of tree, there's a million. Absolutely. And I allow you to be an elm and I get mm-hmm. to, you know, be an oak and she gets right. to be a mimosa. And, right. You know, so there's, it's, he's just so individual. He's such yes. an individual God. He is. And, um, you know, Lisa Bevere has this book out right now called Without Rival, Without Rival and and it talks about um, how that we are each so unique. There is no replacement for us in the mm-hmm. kingdom. So it doesn't mean that his purpose won't be fulfilled because we know that his word has gone out and will not return void. Um, but there is no replacing you on this earth. Mm. There is no replacing me on this earth. There's no replacing my child on this earth. And so us knowing um, this identity and um, developing and li- hearing the Lord and letting him guide us and letting him take us through this process um, to fulfill and walk out our calling is 
just so essential because there's just no there's no repetition not in a hundred years not five thousand years ago there's only just one that's a beautiful thought thank you rachel so if you could leave us with maybe a couple of things that specifically for you that work well for you what does it look like embracing your identity knowing exactly who you are whether it's um you know that initial discovery or staying firm in it what are things that work for you sure i think sometimes we're afraid to ask um, the Lord, uh, who he sees us because we're so afraid that he is going to rebuke us or shame us or point out, well, this is who I created, but look how you've messed that up. And that is just the enemy. Like I said, you know, guys mentioned earlier, like he's about calling up and calling to a higher place. He's not about dealing with an old self. He wants you to step into who you are and, mm. and step into that realization. Can I tell you real quick, I want to interrupt you real quick yeah. and tell you how powerful it was when I had decided, okay, I wrote this book, maybe I'll try to sell a few because they're really not doing anyone any favors in a box by my back door. <laughs> so glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> you were so influential. I felt so empowered by you. Um, you just really hit this tender part of me. You went, uh, you went several level, levels deeper. Mm. And you said, Allison, you are not going to do this perfectly. Right. You're not. Mm-hmm. But the Lord is not going to shame you in that. Right. He is going to rebuke you in a loving manner. And you just tapped into something that was so far beneath the mm-hmm. surface that gave me a lot of bravery and strength. Oh, I'm so. so glad. That is just so the kindness of the Lord. You know, we are we are so performance-based, and I'm learning more and more about that in my own self. Like, you know, why do I stop loving myself when mm-hmm. I'm not performing the way I think I should? Mm-hmm. Um, God certainly doesn't. Yeah. He wants me to obey. That's his love language, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, love the Lord your God and obey my commands. And we certainly need to do that. We certainly need to. But, um, you know, his love in no way, shape, or form is based on that. Um, and so I, one of the other practical things that I would say is, um, is to ask the Lord, like, what lie am I partnering with? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about myself that I'm believing that you have no part of and, um, trust him that he will re- reveal that to you in its time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just pray, to, pray to break those, pray to break that partnership, pray to break those ties. Um, and, and, you know, our minds are, you know, we are, our minds are being renewed to be like Christ. Like this is going to be a lifelong process. Um, and, you know, just really standing firm in, in them. Another thing that I do um, when I feel like my identity is getting attacked, I call it pushback. We've talked about this lots. Um, it's generally speaking, especially when I am stepping out in faith and asking the Lord for things, um, you, you know, almost immediately, like he, the, the enemy comes against and start, I get this awful pit in my feeling in my stomach, like, oh gosh, like, what am I thinking? What am I doing? Like, this is so foolish. That is pushback. We recognize it. We step over it. Um, I've gotten so many texts (laughs) from you that say, I feel like God's moving. I feel like God's moving with you. Are you feeling any pushback? If you are, embrace it. It's good. It means, it means God's moving. Right, right. Um, And one of the most effective tools of that is speaking the truth out loud um, there is just something that happens when we speak it out loud that just shifts in the in the spiritual, in the unseen. Um, uh, the Lord reminded me this morning of, of how Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, that they didn't despair. They sang praises. Hmm. So they, they spoke out. They sang out. Um, and they used those things as a weapon. They understood <laughs> that that is a weapon to use against... Um, against Satan. And so, you know, it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Like, you know, use, you know, the scriptures. Um, we have a, we have a friend that, that, uh, that sells the, the little yes. cards. And sword. I, sword. And I have, I have done that. I've gotten those cards out when I feel like the enemy and I just like repeat them. And so maybe you don't have the cards, but maybe there's some scriptures. And when you are just feeling, um, attacked or inadequate, like you just speak out the truth of yes. who God says you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is one of the most effective weapons. I love it. Um, you taught me a lot about, you know, identifying correctly that pushback, as you call it. And then you gave me these words. You acknowledge it for what it is, and you step over it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just love that imagery. It's come up a million times since. So. Yeah, yeah. 
you're a gift to me, Rachel, and now you're a gift to everybody that gets oh. to listen to this. Love you so much. Thanks for your love, you too. This episode of Center Saint Sister is sponsored by Green Print Real Estate Group, representing buyers, sellers, and investors across the Brazos Valley with superior service and exceptional results. And Signs Cleaning, quality commercial cleaning that suits your company's budget. Call 979-260-3160 for a complimentary bid. Signs Cleaning. We don't cut corners, we clean them. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hey, Beefy. Hey, Beef. So we talked a little bit last time about being only children. Do you think... That being an only child, how did, okay, how did being an only child affect how many kids you want? Like, did it make you want to have a jillion or none? Um, neither. <laughs> Those are two opposite ends, Beef. Well, okay, fair. I feel like it's either or, because either you're so lonely, you want to live in that shoe as that exasperated and overwhelmed lady, or <laughs> you were so precocious and mature from being around adults all the time that you totally couldn't be bothered with kids. You know, I picture you as the latter, by the way, but I don't remember us talking about it. Yeah, I don't either when we were kids. I do remember us planning our backyard barbecues. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we were so excited about backyard barbecues. <laughs> and you were a vegetarian at, like, at the ripe old age of nine. Why were we planning barbecues? <laughs> I was not nine. And it wasn't about the barbecue. It was about the cute boy that would be standing at the barbecue pit and all of our kids running around. Yeah, and being neighbors. Yes. We at really the... liked the idea of like a connected backyard. Right, at the end of a cul-de-sac. Yes, 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 yes. Um, okay, so the kids running around. How many were there? I mean, I think I always wanted to have two. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Check. Barbecue fantasy. Two kids running around. You know, I guess I thought I was going to have two, too. I don't know. Two was good. I really liked having two kids. It was very... <laughs> I don't think you can say that because you have four. Well... What <laughs> is the last two here? I know. <laughs> no, I love having four. I love having four. But two was good. Two... I, we had to really think about the third. I, I mean, really, our fourth one was fourth one was the only one that we were like, okay, let's do this. It's real crazy. Everything else was... Yeah, crazy. Okay. So our question today, Beef, is I have littles at home and I spend a good portion of my day in nap jail. Ah, yes. Uh, can you recommend some things that I could do during nap time that might make me feel a little more productive throughout the day? Mm. Nothing. Do nothing if you want to. I don't, I think this is something that we all worry about too much and I'm at a place where I'm over it because here's the thing. If you want to take a nap, take a nap. If you want to paint your nails, paint your nails. If you want to watch something really terrible on TV, whatever that is for you, I think you should because here's the thing. Like, people that work outside the home, my point is, get to do what they want for significant amounts of times all the day, yeah. every day. So I say that if you're home and you have an hour or two to yourself, do whatever in the world makes you yeah. happy. Not to mention, like, you know, just thinking of people at work, walk out under an exit sign. You know, there's that. Yes. Like, there is no exit sign. When right. you're working at home. But, yeah, I mean, okay, so, yes, I agree with all of that wholeheartedly. There's something about the age of 42, I think, that, like, makes that a little easier totally. to, to sit with. You know, it's like you have to walk these 40 years in the desert before mm -hmm. you finally mm -hmm. get comfortable with, you know, pleasing yourself and doing the things that you want to do. Um, but I do understand this concern because there are those days that you're wearing yogurt for the fifth day in a row. Yesterday for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, I just need a little more get up and go. Or maybe the question is also like that you can't remember what it is that you like to do during those times. Sure. Yes. Yeah. You know, so for me, when I was, you know, thick in the middle of, you know, dispensing goldfish and diapers and all of that, and I still am in, in a lot of ways, but um, there was a lot of value to communicating 
in some way with the outside world. And it could be, it could be intense communication where, you know, my girlfriends would come over and all the minivans would pull up and we would have this (laughs) really involved play date, or it could just be just a second with the mailman, you know, just a pleasant exchange where we encouraged one another in some small way or added just a little bit of joy, Mm -hmm. just talking with another human being that's not your offspring. Right. So your community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe like listening to podcasts when you are doing something that you hate, but that has to get done. Like the never ending pile of laundry. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like an opportunity to listen to something that you like and be learning while you're doing your mom stuff. Yes. Engaging your brain. Yes. A different part of your brain. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said too. Also for, you know, remember what you mentioned earlier, you touched on just remembering your hobbies. So Mm -hmm. for example, when Seth comes home, he can always tell a day that I've written something. And there will be a pep in my step. There will be a difference in my disposition that makes him say, did you write something today? Mm, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yep. Um, for me, possibly, it's also, like, because I enjoy cooking as a hobby, like, having something in the crock pot all day, like, mm. just the smell of that all day long yes. makes me feel productive. Um I feel like I'm creating and nurturing my family and um, being productive at the same time. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, I think that there's something to the sense of smell, like, because I'm not even like crafty in the kitchen by any stretch, but having something in a crock pot just really taps into something nurturing in mm-hmm, me, just mm-hmm. some way that I was designed. But I think the sense of smell is um, is really important. Like for me, I can throw some bleach down the sink and convince myself that I cleaned all day. <laughs> done and done. And you still have one hour and 58 minutes to do something else. <laughs> and then you can light a candle, yes. diffuse some oils. Anyways, engaging your sense of smell, remembering a hobby, getting outside and talking to at least one other person i think we actually answered that one beef done bye beef bye beef lubella is my friend from junior high she won every science fair there ever was we lost touch for a while until facebook intervened and now that we're reunited it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubell win the internet day after day. May 15th, 2016. By habit, or simply following my grandparents' way, I sit in the same pew when I attend church. I have noticed a woman, probably in her early 80s, who sits in my same pew, always has the loveliest smile, and during the peace says, Peace be with you all days. Last Sunday, when the priest asked all mothers to stand to honor them for Mother's Day, we both noticed each other remained seated, two of the few women in the whole church not standing to receive the special blessing. After Mass last week, for the first time, she approached me, introduced herself as Patty, and asked, You don't have children? Me laughing. No, but I'm hoping for a dog soon. Patty laughed back and said, I hope you get a dog too. I asked her, you don't have any kids? Patty answered, my Carl died over 30 years ago. I haven't been a mom in a long time. I don't think it's proper to stand since I'm not a mom now. I told her, you should stand next time. Once a mom, forever a mom. This morning when I sat down in our pew, Miss Patty smiled and scooted over right next to me and said, I went to breakfast after Mass last week, and when they asked if I was celebrating Mother's Day, I said yes, and they gave me a free slice of pie. We laughed a little too loud for pre-Mass time. Patty told me, I'll stand next year, and I hope you get a puppy, Bell. That will make you a mom too, and you can stand right next to me. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. 
I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. I have so many feelings about who I am supposed to be. Me. <laughs> Me before coming to this place. Sometimes I can barely remember. Well, for one thing, I had grandchildren. Ages 12 years old to three months old. And I was involved in their lives on a daily basis. <laughs> My kids would laugh and say, Mom, can we have our kids back? And I would laugh back and answer, Nope, I'm keeping these. You can have more. That was always a good laugh between us. Oh, I miss those babies so much. I can hear them now saying my name. Mimi. 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 I would furrow my brow and lower my voice and feign being angry and say, Don't you Mimi me. <laughs> we would all laugh. My name and their voices. It was music to my ears. Those babies could make me do anything. I even went rollerblading with them. We were out and about a lot. I had a seat attached to my bike for the youngest. She would squeal in my ear as we went. But you know, it wasn't just the fun stuff. I helped with their schoolwork too. School came first. And if I needed to tutor them, I was happy to. And they excelled in everything they did. They excelled. But when I came here, I felt like I had ruined my title. I felt like I could no longer be Mimi. I felt like a fake. A hypocrite. A felon. I'm a felon. And I couldn't imagine facing my grandchildren a felon. I begged my kids to just please tell them I died. I'm being perfectly honest when I say that this seems so much easier. But my grandkids were grieving. And eventually my kids told them the truth. The full truth without leaving anything out. The next weekend, during visiting hours, all of my grandkids showed up. It was so emotional. We hugged and we cried. Eventually, it was my oldest grandson who would find words and he said, Mimi, don't you know that we love you no matter what? Don't you remember telling us to never lose faith and to lean on God because He can carry you through? Now it's our turn to tell you. We will be together through thick and thin, Mimi. I cried a million tears. And a million more since. I still hurt with this burden. Maybe I am my hardest critic. I feel so much shame. I have a hard time inserting myself into the family the way I used to. Giving advice seems pretty silly. 
helping them make decisions feels pretty ironic. I don't know how to love them from here. I guess that's it. I don't know how to love them from here. My love used to define me. Now it's just this place. This place and my past define me now. Dear God, you have designed us to look outside of ourselves to determine our worth. It was your intention that we look to you to learn who it is that we are. But we have chosen to go our own way and make our own rules. And we're no longer looking to you to tell us who we are, but instead, so many times, we look to each other. Help us, God, to look your way, to discern what our callings are, to embrace the things that we need to embrace, and to let go of the things that we need to let go of. When we look at ourselves, we see what we have made. But when you look at us, God, you see what you have made. And your mercy It simply won't allow us to put our identity in anything that isn't you. So help us, God, to live with open hands and open hearts, accepting the full truth of who it is that we are, knowing that it's okay that while we were made of dust, we are also divine because your Holy Spirit rests within us. Jesus, lend us your holiness to live out our callings well and to learn exactly who we are through you. Dear God, we ask all of these things in your Son's precious name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For this episode, a special thank you to Janice Fossey, Rachel Lovett, A&M Church of Christ, Mom's Group at St. Francis of Assisi in Frisco, Green Print Real Estate, Signs Cleaning, Brian Federal Prison Camp, Kristen Kelly, Lubell Gaelic, and Pamela Anthony Cutright.